tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! What is up, gladiators? Welcome to the AfterBuzz TV Scandal After Show. This is season... I was about to say season six. Season four, episode six, An Innocent Man. As always, we are here, your favorite gladiators. I am uh, Emil Innis Jr. Cornelia's not here today. She went to her uh, homecoming, right? So still tweet her, include her conversation. She's still going to watch the show, but we do miss you, Cornelia, and we can't wait to see you again. But now I'm joined with... And um, I'm Sophia Stanley. And Bam Erickson. Perfect. Um, so we're going to get right into this episode. Um, I thought this was a solid episode. I actually enjoyed it. Um, the way that we did the scandals this week, we had uh, President Cooper, which was the main story, and President Cooper has passed away. But we saw, I guess, the revival of Melly. At the end of the last episode, we saw her taking a shower. In this episode, she's all fresh. And I like how, um, <laughs> I said fresh. <laughs> I like how in this episode, though, uh, Fitz is on the balcony, and he has the bruised knuckles, and he's clearly having a pity party and then she's like um do you want the chef to make you some fried chicken and she just walks away mm-hmm. i like i like the the return of melly um but we definitely had some some interesting things that happened in this episode that started with this president cooper thing um so i guess we can fast forward a bit with the president cooper um melly is in charge of playing the funeral and we are introduced to his i guess widow now bitsy mm-hmm and as soon as we're introduced to Bitsy, she comes into the, the office and she's talking about these different things. And as soon as the press leaves, then we see the real Bitsy. And I like uh, I like that we got to see a different take on the First Lady. And I would say a First Lady that Melly probably looks up to and wants to be like. So what did you guys think about this Bitsy character? Um, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought the way that she did that switch so deliberately um, and basically was like, and I mean, we kind of have to talk about it because I think it's relevant to the show and, and I'm saying it because I'm quoting. Um, but she's like, you know, let us bitches like figure this out. I was like... I can't believe what presumes to be this little old lady kind of has such a cuss mouth, but at the same time is a really brass tax, extremely intelligent, decisive, formidable woman um, and a formidable presence. And I think that um, it was very refreshing to see that. And it was very refreshing to see Melly's wheels turning. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I, I like this. Um, I like this whole thing because. Melly finally, finally um, at least for this season, finally was able to reflect and say, girl, I know what you're going through. Or like It was just a moment from first lady to first lady where somebody actually knows what Melly's going through because, you know, there's always this thing about first ladies where they always have this kind of little pet project. You mm-hmm. know, Michelle Obama is uh, doing the whole obesity thing. Nancy Reagan had to just say no. They always are looked down. They're always looked as the first women, uh, the first ladies to have kind of like a pet project to kind of do something to kind of get out of the, the president's way. But in, in actuality, um, there was always talk that Nancy Reagan, she ran the White House. Yeah. There was always a talk that she ran the White House and she, you know, uh, used to tell Ronald, uh, uh, former, uh, former President Reagan, you know, what to do and what not to do. So I like that we got to see a different perspective of how the ins and outs of, of the White House and, and the First Lady. So I appreciate it, and I liked how they were basically kind of trying to um, touch on uh, uh, taboos and, and things that we allegedly hear about and we don't really know if it's true or not. So I liked how they touched on that. How about you, Emil? No, I was just going to say, I think I think another reason why I like the Bitsy character is just it's nice to... I felt like, not saying there's nobody in the White House on her level, Cyrus, but I feel like uh, Melly really needed somebody where she can truly talk to them and somebody who how do I put this I feel like you know how uh, some people are just always on we talked about this off camera last week but some people are always on even in that moment as soon as the press left Melody was still on she's like okay so we're going to do this and then basically like 
pretty much cut your shit. Like, let's get to the real. So it's nice for Melly to be able to interact with somebody like that. But also, it's nice that person happens to be a first lady whose husband also slept with other people. So it's... I like the yeah. the, the dynamics between them. Totally. Um, so I want to see what's going to happen with that for sure. But I like Bitsy because after the last scene that her and Millie had, she was like, listen, I got a joint in my purse. <laughs> let's go to the Truman Balcony and let's light. She just kept it real. She kept it real. I mean, Bitsy reminds me of a little bit of a, who was the Red Against Fitz redhead? Why can't I remember her name right now? Oh, Sally. Yeah, she Sally. reminds me a little, like, she has a little punch like Sally, mm-hmm. and then she's also smart like Melly. I, I really enjoy her character, and hopefully that's not all that we see from her. Hope not. Um, but with this President Cooper thing, Olivia gets a new client who shot the president, so they say. And it just so happens that the uh, President Cooper thing was very similar to what happened with Fitz, and now they're trying to spin this whole story, and his name is Carnahan, and he says he's not um, guilty, and they deal with this situation. I mean, it was a, it was the scandal was all right. I like how it was unfinished. Yeah, I, I feel like there wasn't any closure there, and I was waiting for something at the end of the episode where we would see or hear from him again. But it was just kind of like, I mean, we're gonna talk about it, but at the end, basically, it was a match, and he's going to jail, and he'll be trying. Like, you know what I mean? It just it was very bland, um, which makes me think that it has to come back, right? Um, to it. Uh, what do you think, Sophia? I'm having a hard time with this because this is actually the first time that I'm thinking about it totally from more of like a legal perspective. And so the whole comment, like the truth has to come out. I don't, I don't really know what that means. Right. So I'm like, does that mean the truth? So we were talking off camera that not only obviously was there some symmetry with Fitz's assassination, but Mm -hmm. there's some symmetry with the real life JFK. Mm -hmm. So is it that the truth needs to come out that there really is no conspiracy or is the truth that there is a conspiracy? Think about it. Because either one of them is detrimental as a country, right? Mm-hmm. So on some levels, as a country, it makes us feel better that we know that it was one person. It wasn't actually a conspiracy, i.e. multiple people, and that we got the person involved and it was a one-off isolated incident. If there is a conspiracy, then that's that's a larger issue. Right. So when he said, you know, the sun can be, you know, can can be shaded for a while, but eventually it will come out again. What what are they alluding to? Because to me, they're always alluding to something on this mm-hmm. show. There's always like the first level story, and mm-hmm. then there is the second level, the morality issue, and then normally it ties to something else. Well, I noticed that at least uh, with with um, with this season four, even the whodunits, the weekly whodunits. It doesn't end with just the episode. Yeah. Take, for instance, the whole thing with Quinn and trying to figure out the key. Uh, with, with the key. You know, that was an ongoing story of a weekly who did it that started, I think, maybe almost two two weeks ago. And so maybe that's the pattern that they're going for in season four, uh, because I don't see I don't see this story ending as dry as it did, because what's the point in having a weekly who did it scandal for just this. Well, my only thing is, what are they prepping us for? Because we saw in the <clears throat> the trailer after, there's only two episodes left before the winter finale. They haven't closed out this Caitlyn story. They haven't closed out this story. So it's like, but it doesn't necessarily. I mean, does it? There's a need. Does there need to be closure within two episodes? Because we were we're renewed. Not we. Like I'm a part of it. Like, <laughs> like I'm getting one hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode. that Carrie's getting, but um, we. <laughs> I mean, scandal is. Is not over yet, um, so they could. I, I I hear what you're saying. I think that what's happening, and I think I may have said it either last episode or two episodes ago, before all roads led to Fitz. Mm-hmm. Possibly there's a shift because I feel the shift. Maybe all roads now lead to Olivia because they're you know, and and we obviously and and me more so than I think anything anyone else on this panel definitely am extremely hard on Olivia because I feel like she's not being the Olivia Pope, and there was something about her effectiveness today with everyone, even in the weekly who done it, even though the initial outcome wasn't what she wanted. Theoretically, and I'm gonna again, I don't know why I'm in my in a, like a legal space today. She's not theoretically a defense attorney, but in this instance, she kind of was. She's mm-hmm. like a, a proxy for the defense attorney. There's different ways of thinking about this, but I personally think it is not your job to get off a guilty person. It is your job to f- provide the best defense so that the truth gets out there 
and that if the person in fact is guilty, they go to jail, and if they're not guilty, they don't go to jail. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she, Olivia Pope, did her job, whatever that job is in an, in an encapsulated area. She did her job with um, with um, Fit. She did her job with Jake. She did her job with her dad, and I think she even did her job with Abby in so much as she allowed Abby to be there for her. So on that level, I think that what's happening is all roads are leading to leading to Olivia. And I don't think it's going to happen in the next two episodes, but hopefully the second half of the season, I think we're finally going to get to see her backstory. It has to happen. Like, I I can feel it. We're going to find out, you know, what happened to her. There's going to be more flashbacks to the island. I think there's going to be more um, flashbacks to uh, law school because that's why that story with the Uh key is still playing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, there's just going to be more backstories about who Olivia Pope was before we were introduced to her season one coming and, on the trail. And possibly wrong because in the conversation with Ronan Fitz, he mentions that he's from Detroit, which I thought was just kind of a random part of this little sermon for sure. him to say that he's a part of. I uh, did catch that. Yeah. But I want to ask you, uh, Sophia, because I now, um, what's the man who was in prison? Carnahan. He was in jail for 30 years. Is there a, how, how can he, be now retried because it was it's a completely different charge attempted murder is different than murder okay do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so because it literally because the first thing and you know what i'm going to do this really quick and if anyone wants to know more let me know itunes youtube twitter and i'll go kind of into more legal eagle de- detail but the first charge has a different like intent and a mm-hmm. different causality mm-hmm. if that makes sense right so even though my intent was to kill you because i didn't actually in fact kill you right. i benefit and then literally it's a lesser charge mm-hmm. once you die and that's why if you've ever seen movies like in the midst when the person's in jail it's one charge and then literally usually the minute the person dies either going to the hospital so forth and so on now because the person's dead it is now murder. And the reason that the charge is, it's a, not even just in terms of the semantics of the words, but it's a different charge because now the person's no longer with us. It's technically, theoretically, the, the loss, right? So mm-hmm. attempted murder, even though I've injured you, you're still here. So there's, you have a loss, but to quantify it, the loss isn't as great as I've now taken your life. Right, gotcha. Do you see the difference? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's one charge for the first thing versus mm-hmm. a different charge for the second thing. Gotcha. If that makes sense. And I just have one other thing. What's up? Again, Liv goes and she cuts... Good old poor David. I was just about to talk about that. And then you have the nerve to ask for a favor. Like, oh. But what I'm thinking now that we're talking about Rosen, and this, uh, let me know if you guys are possibly thinking this too, because I talked about how, or we talked about how it kind of ended abrupt with this story. But David said, I know this was you, Liv, you put up this. And she's like, no, I'm just doing what I need to do, whatever. Rosen. No, no, she she didn't say no. She basically was like, well, what else was I needed to do if I would have asked you politely, would you have done it? Right. So he knows that she did this, but Rosen is attorney general. Does he still have to be 613? Fauci goes all the way to Jake. He gave him away, but did he really give them Exactly. So I'm wondering, just to get back at Liv, did he make sure that the case went in his favor so that... He... I can't even. I I, I, want to say no, but I, I can't even... I, I just, I just need, I just want to see where this goes. But I did like seeing, um, I love seeing Olivia back to doing what she does. I like how she handled this as far as getting the media to ask the questions and do the hashtag. What was it, Justice for, Justice Cooper. for Cooper? I like all that stuff. Um, let's talk about Quinn and Huck, though. What's up? The first thing that I put on my notes is OPA is doing just damn fine with mm-hmm. Huck and Quinn. I'm sorry, you know, I know people are like, where, what happened to OPA, what happened to OPA? Huck and, uh, and, um, the, um, Quinn, they're doing a pretty damn good job of holding it down with the two of them by themselves. And, um, Huck's playing games on the side too, so, but, uh, <laughs> Quinn, it's nice to see Quinn take a different approach, and we've seen this shift in Quinn where it's no longer, um, you know, I'm doing the grunt work because, you know, Quinn a couple of seasons ago, if she was the one who had to go put a key in multiple lockers, like, what you say over a thousand lockers she would have been like what oh, can i do something else like but quinn is willingly doing this she's going out there and she's putting herself out there um i like the shift that we see in quinn right now um but huck with what's going on with his child and you guys predicted it before i even realized it but he's playing this game with his son this is not going to end well i don't think there i don't think there's any way this can end well not only is it not going to and well, because, yeah, I was, like, screaming at the TV, as I kind of always do. Um, I definitely was kind of like, oh, crap, is B613 going to get his son? Like, all I kept thinking was, uh. like, by you having a relationship 
with your son who possibly has traits similar to you, are you making him a target for B613 or anyone? So just because you're protected, right, that basically Olivia called in a favor with Command, who was her dad, you were protected. Does that protection also extend to your family? Number one. Number two, now, unbeknownst to Huck, Olivia has virtually declared war with her father, who is Command. So does that mean the the mm. deal is now off? Because yeah. Rowan's going to come for her and all of her people. So I, think it I may, agree with you. I think it may affect Huck's... Um, Ex-wife, were they married? Were they married? Or was no. he, be baby mama. Yeah. I think it may affect his baby, his baby's mother more so than anything. <laughs> yeah, it may affect her more. And something that that this is up for debate. When she asked Little Hug Junior, um, "Who are you playing?" Javi. Javi Junior. When she asked Junior, "Who are you playing video games with?" and he just said, "Oh, someone online." For me, that's kind of a, a toss between because you know. With you doing the whole online thing, even with video games, you don't know, you don't know who you're playing with or right. how much access they have to you. And so, I'm not going to say it's bad parenting, but it was, it was a, a questionable judgment for her to allow her son to be playing. And it appeared because Al Green was singing his three o'clock in the morning the song, so it had to have been late. You know, I get it had that. To have been but almost ten o'clock. Like I, I used to play computer games, and like it's one of those things where, granted, I used to play like The Sims, so it was me playing by myself. But we mm-hmm. don't go there. But like when I did play certain games, uh, I forgot what it's called, multiplayer uh, role playing games, or whatever. When you play those games, though, even as a parent, like I don't think parents are really that nervous because, especially kids growing up in that generation, like you don't. Unless they're, and here's the thing, this is where I'll step back. Because of the fact that he was having a conversation, and she could see, she could probably see he's having a conversation with this guy instead of just playing. I'd be like, okay, can I look at, you know, what you guys are talking about? I feel like that would be something that would lead to good parenting. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to overstep the boundaries to where your kid starts hiding things from you. Um, don't leave your children with me. I didn't even think about that at all. Would not have thought about it. Because at the end of the day, no, but I'm, I'm being serious. Because... To me, the larger issue is possibly the type of game he's playing, not who he's talking with. Like, he's, I mean, he's a kid. He likes computers. He's playing a war game, and he's playing with his other friends from school. Yeah. I would never think that he's playing with anyone other than his friends from school. And see, I, or I, some random kid online, because that's what they do. Right. See, Don't leave your kid with yeah. me. And I'm totally different because, you know, we grown as men, we play video games. And, you know, with the Xbox and stuff, and you can do the whole thing online, you don't know who you're playing with. But now we're just in 2014. It's, I'm just, I'm just, I'm paranoid. So my child, if I saw that you were uh, typing or texting, like myself or or his mom, we would not. I get what you're saying. I just feel like. In this situation, she would have to literally do that every time he's playing the game. It'll be to a point where she would just be like, okay, he's fine. He's just talking to Jimmy. He's just talking to this random person. Like, <laughs> oh, did you get the coin from uh, the, the dead body? Like, it's just, I feel like she wouldn't She wouldn't think twice. And then even in our conversation from the brief conversation that we saw was just, uh, oh, you're awesome, dude, or things like that. So it wasn't anything like, um, I'm your father. Mm-hmm. Can you meet up behind the alley on 23rd Street? Like, it wasn't anything like that. So I feel like it could possibly get there because just from Huck's nature, mm-hmm. Huck is somebody. Like just how he's stalked outside the house, he's gonna want more interaction with his son. This isn't gonna be enough. And Huck is a bit of a fiend, and the love that he has for this son that, or he wants to get to know his son. I mean, he's getting to know him in a certain way, but in this particular environment, there's only so much you can talk about where it won't come off as creepy. I agree, and I think that we talked about it last episode, and I think we've talked about it a lot. There is definitely something childlike about Huck, of which course. is both endearing and scary. So. The reason that I think we knew that he was playing with his son was because there was a giddy nature to him, right? Like, even the way he kind of was like, yeah, Queen, Queen, get off my phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm playing. And he was so excited. And even when, you know, Javi basically was like, oh, just like one more game. And the mom was like, okay, cool. And then, you know, the kid typed, you're awesome. And the way that Huck got so elated, part of me is thinking to myself, someone thinking from a childlike mindset who has the qualities that Huck has is a bad combination. Mm -hmm. So I'm piggybacking on what you're saying, but taking it one step further. So 
Does this mean he's going to try to meet with him? Does this mean... And what happens if the kid's like, no, you're not my father. Like, mm-hmm. like where is this going to go? Like, is he going to act like childlike Hawk? Or is he going to act like crazy spy Hawk? Like, who are we going to get? And either way, I... Exactly. I don't see it anywhere And that's now. the problem. Because I can easily see Huck, just from what we know about Huck, I can see him, like... Not stalking the kid, but pretty much stalking the kid and then accidentally bumping into him, somehow talking about this game. Oh, you play that game too? Oh, so do I. And then finding that commonality. And As a parent, she better watch it because with online and things like that, all he needs to now do is if the boy has some kind of profile picture, then he can see what the boy... I'm paranoid, okay? just. But then but then on some levels, and I think we'll, we'll continue this conversation offline... Then technically, then you don't have full internet access at your home. Mm-hmm. Like as a parent, like honestly, mm-hmm. like then you don't allow them to have access to the internet. Like mm-hmm. and you you have parental control so they can only access certain types of things. Because other than that, like I don't care how great of a parent you are, you can't have full have have your child have full access to the internet and think you're going to track them every single minute without also ironically using part technology, part having a conversation with your kid. I think that's more important. It's yeah. having a decent conversation with your kid so that you know when something's going awry. Like, I know that my mom, my mom to this day knows when I'm lying. Yeah. Why? Because she raised me and she raised me in a certain way that she knows her kid. So if someone says, like, I threw a cup at them, my mom's like, oh, well, that my kid did that. But what did you do to provoke her? Do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. my mom knows her kid. Mm-hmm. So, but let us know online what you think. iTunes, Twitter, YouTube. Do you side with Bam? <laughs> do you think that Kim is being kind of a bad parent? Do you feel like I do? But it's not really a big deal in 2014 for kids to be online and playing video games. Um, also, let us know in the chat room. I was actually trying to get um, onto the chat room, and I couldn't. So, if you're in the chat room right, right now... Please tweet us at Sophia Stanley, at Bam Erickson, at Emil Ennis Jr. Um, so that we can see what you are saying outside of the chat room. Because I somehow can't get access. Go ahead. All right. So I talk fast. <laughs> you know who wasn't afraid to speak their mind this episode? Abby. Abby has really um, grown a pair. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing it, though. Abby... Um, Abby's in this weird place right now where I feel like she's unsure of her place in the White House. Nobody really listens to her. She's not really doing what her actual job is. And when she does, um, she's being manipulated by Olivia somehow still. Um, so we see a different side of Abby. But she went in there as a friend for Olivia and basically said, I'm talking to you as a married man who slept with my friend. And I want to know what you did with the man that she's currently sleeping with. Mm-hmm. And that, like, it was a great, it was a great scene um, for Abby to have with uh, Fitz. But just and just generally speaking, stay out of your homegirl's business. And maybe because I'm a, just maybe because I'm a man, but I would never. If you and Idris Elba are having uh, issues, Sophia, and <laughs> she's like, we ain't having no issues. <laughs> If you and Idris, or we are, you better intervene and fix it. I'm keeping him satisfied. <laughs> if you and Idris no, are, no, if, if you and Idris are having issues or something, but that something's going on or whatever, and you guys are, I'm not going to jump in and now go and speak to you, or I'm not going to go and speak to Idris to try and fix your situation. Men, we stay out of it. Stay out of it, Abby. I completely get that, just because I have a current friend who's going through some things. So I, I get what you're saying. However, in this particular situation, and I'm probably going to completely regret what I'm saying, but in this particular situation, I feel like it's different because Olivia has been trying to contact him. And if that's like if if you have somebody who you know can talk to that person for you, why wouldn't you utilize that? And so in this situation, she's trying to get in contact with him. She didn't tell Abby to do it, but Abby's like, listen, I mean, we go way back, me and you, Olivia. I'm going to help my friend out. I don't, I don't see what's wrong with it. Not only do I not see what's wrong with it, and I and I completely intellectually understand what you're saying, Bam, but I feel like they're gladiators. What Abby did is exactly what gladiators do, is they fix it. Olivia has a problem. Olivia's problem is not only has Jake disappeared, j- disappeared and, and is in custody, he could potentially be about to be executed right. or worse, right? That's, that's a major issue. Even if it's not an official case and it's a personal case, it needs to be fixed. It needs to be handled. And I think Abby did exactly that. She handled it. And I like the juxtaposition between how she is both timid and very sure of herself. So she basically was like, no, I'm not talking to the commander in chief, goes into that diatribe, which was brilliant. 
but then pauses and is like, okay, I know I already overstepped my bounds. And the way she exits the room, the room, she almost like scampers. It's the same she did with Millie, though. Completely. Yeah. And I think it's authentic because that is Abby. There's a part of Abby, I think, that is extremely endearing and is soft and is sweet and bakes cookies. And then there's Abby who has a gun and knows how to use a gun and pops off like she is firing bullets. So I like that. Um, and then the last part of it is... I think it takes a village. I think part of the reason that relationships aren't doing as well as they are is because I think that there's usually too much chatter and, like, criticism and, like, no, he didn't, blah, 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 or no, she didn't, or she's a this or she's a that, but not a lot of, like, people actually caring about your relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that Abby genuinely cares about Olivia. I think they are family, and I think when you're family and someone's having problems in their relationship, I think you sit down and talk to the other person because sometimes the other person needs to hear... Yo, you messing up. Right. Like, you have a great girl here, which is in a weird way what she said. If you really love her, let her see him. So, basically, I'm letting you know, because I'm part of, like, Olivia's family, if you ever, ever want to have an opportunity again with the person I think you love... I'm letting you know insider information. You need to let her see him, or else this will literally be the death of you. And I think that's what she did, and I thought it was brilliant. I think... Everything you said was spot on, and I think that Abby's gaining the confidence in every scenario. Like she's stepped up to live now, she stepped up to Melly, now she stepped up to Fitz. So, and we're gonna jump back to Abby in a quick second, but we have to go to Cyrus in order to get to this. So Cyrus is sleeping with Michael still. Michael's passing information along to live. That's how the base closing got released to the public and then Liz goes to Lizzie Bear goes to Melly and as soon as she talked to Melly about that I saw that coming even though Melly said she wasn't going to do it I saw that coming because uh, Melly as much as she you know wants to support Fitz Melly still knows what she truly wants and this was a perfect opportunity she did that um, Cyrus please okay oh, Cyrus First Cyrus, Cyrus is now the chicken head um Oh, he's a chicken. We head. haven't heard that in a while. I, yeah, but it's coming back now. Cyrus is definitely the chicken head. So for a man that you're paying twenty five hundred dollars um, per night of sexual titties, not only are you going to pay him twenty five hundred dollars cash, but now you want to give him a cell phone, a private phone. You want to open up a bank account. The relationship is Cyrus. But see, I thought he was doing that so he doesn't have to do that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the reason that you give him a cell phone and you give him an apartment and possibly like spending money is so that you don't have to pay each time. Was, right? Because isn't that the that. whole, like, I'm, I'm, no, I'm a jerk. It's like the whole pretty woman scenario. But go ahead. I Neil. just wish Cyrus wasn't falling in love with the prostitute. Yeah. Like, and I, he's not, I don't think he's falling in love. I he, think he is, though. I, I think, think he is, too. I don't think he's. The way that he caressed, the way that he caressed his face yeah, and is. looked at him, like, but I just. Find it so hard to believe that Cyrus's character could be so naive. However, because of what happened with James, I feel like even though that happened such a long time ago, his judgment still clouded. Um, but you remember, Cyrus appears to be the chaser. Um, Michael chased Cyrus, and you know he's a young, strapping man. So of course he's attached to him. He thinks he, you know, he feels a certain way about him. And for at, at one point, you know, Michael was chasing Cyrus. But now Cyrus, in his mind, thinks he's kind of like the powerful person where he's, he's you know, he's wifing him, not wifing him down, but he's, he's you know, he's... He's getting, locking it down. Yeah, he's cuffing him, basically. Yeah. He thinks he's cuffing him. So Cyrus now feels that he's the, turning the power... Uh, That's exactly yeah. what happened with James. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what happened with James. Like, James was the one who was, like, more of the aggressor, more of young and youthful, and I think that Cyrus's power play is money. What I want to happen, or what I think should have happened, is kind of like when... Um Huck was dating that girl who he had the freaky yeah. sex with, and he told... Cocaine girl. Yeah, cocaine girl. And I was like, Olivia needs to do a background check and really research her. I feel like Cyrus, being the person he is and his power, should have done some type of research. I know he's just... A, I know he's a prostitute, but do some type of research, especially not saying that Cyrus can't get a good-looking guy, but Cyrus is an older gay man. And I think... And I think and I think that's... I, I completely agree with you, but for that reason, is exactly why he's not. Like, in his mind... Not only is he an, oh, an older gay man, he's an older, powerful, rich gay man. Isn't that exactly why, to a certain extent, and I know I'm going to get, you know, please let me know what you think, but I'll take the heat for this. Isn't that what men want? True. Men literally lead with their power and they lead with their job. And 
the the their own aesthetics is irrelevant to the type of woman or the type of man that they can get. The type of woman or the type of man they get is based on their level of power, yeah. which too, on some levels, has nothing to do with their aesthetics. Now, Michael, on the other hand, his power is his aesthetics, mm-hmm. right? But Cyrus's power is the fact that he's chief of staff and he has money and he has this this thing about him. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he thinks he can get this guy, and then at the same time. Because Michael is playing him with that power of of youth and beauty and viralness and muscles and all the rest of right. that stuff, Cyrus is just giddy. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that, like you said previously... Did you say giddy or gay? I, no, I said giddy. Well, he's I mean, both, he is but, gay, yeah. but yeah. I said giddy. Okay. <laughs> he's giddy like a schoolgirl. Yeah. Um, I think that the problem is is that the fact that they don't investigate everyone that they deal with, yeah. regardless of whether or not you pay the person for sex, problem. Number two, mm-hmm. the fact that he is a prostitute and you pay him for sex. I don't care if he's in business school. The fact you don't run a background check, Thank you. problem. Thank you. And that's the thing. Like I can see if Cyrus just casually met this guy. It wasn't any payment. He was actually dating this person, getting to know him. You want to create some type of level of trust. You're paying this guy. Do your research. Like... He's okay, I'm going to ask a question. Okay. So, any of you guys or girls online that are listening right now, when you meet someone before you go on a date, do you Google them? Mm-hmm. Let me know. No, seriously. Real time, 2014, before you go on a date with someone, do you Google them? Do you look at their Facebook page? I don't know if people still have MySpace pages. Do you look on their Instagram, their Tumblr, their Twitter? Do you investigate? <laughs> you peek? You do peek, you yeah. investigate before you go on a first date? Let us know on iTunes, YouTube, Twitter. Please let us know. I want to know your answer, though. No, I'm not. A, I'll take the fifth <laughs> on that one. I do. Or I did. <laughs> I do. I, I mean, well, that was our engineer, think, Sean. Sean, you married. Her correction, I did. <laughs> okay. I mean, but I don't think it's not like a stalking thing. I think it's just more. That's not what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a, it's 2014. Like a, a light background. You want to see what's going on. But, see, but speaking of 2014. This is where Cyrus's age comes to haunt him. He's old. He doesn't know about the Facebook and the Google. He's he's in a whole generation. But then you go old school. You yeah. still run a background check. Yeah, but I, the the one thing that I will agree with you in regards to that he's he's getting. I can't say PW. He's um he's whipped. <laughs> he's whipped. I was like, and, what? And the reason that and the reason that he's whipped is because. Fitz says that Cyrus has been running late a lot these days. Yeah. So he is falling for this guy because that's what happens when you are in the beginning of a relationship. You're on the phone longer or, well, maybe on people don't speak on the phone anymore. But you're willing to be a little late for that you know, for that for that boo thing that you are in the process of being in a relationship with. And then he's slacking in his job. And now yeah. we're going to go back to Abby because yeah. Abby, he's getting on Abby saying, no, now he's looking for a reason to fire you. You better find this person or blah, blah, blah. So I can... And then she calls him, and this is what I was talking about earlier, Abby's incompetence, and you were talking about how she did this thing where she goes into super Abby mode, and then she, like, shrivels back up and scurries out. But in this moment on the phone, she's just like, okay, so I did some research, <laughs> and <laughs> and I feel like she's finally finding that balance where we're seeing a new Abby now, and it's the Abby I think we're all going to like. But I also feel like, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you guys think, I don't think Abby's going to be in the White House that much longer. I see her slowly transitioning back to OPA, but it's going to be a new version of Abby and OPA, somebody that... I disagree. I think I think Abby is going to be in... Um, I think she's going to be at the White House at least for... Um, I would give it maybe ten episodes, maybe f- around February. Ooh. She needs to be she needs to be there for half of the season because you know it, it was uh, said that. Um, that they're going to focus a lot on, on Abby's storyline. Mm-hmm. So if she goes back to OPA, so who cares? Yeah. I haven't said that in a while, but so do That makes sense. So yeah. it makes sense for her to be involved in OPA. And the fact that Olivia now is the, um, what's the, the term that you use about every, th- all roads lead to a live. Mm-hmm. Abby's going to be, be playing a, a crucial part to this. Uh, you know, she's with Mel, she has the whole thing with Melly and Fitz. She has, uh, she has Cyrus and, uh, Portia de Rossi. So there's a lot that she can be involved in so i think that she will she'll I be like in, that. in the yeah. white house for a while i like that yeah so what do you guys think about what fit said well first about fit showing up at olivia's spot and the funny thing was i said out loud i was like well at least she looks cute mm-hmm. and he really? opens she opens the door and she's like i have to I have to i have to let you go abby and then she opens the door and fit says what do you say abby is or Ab- abby's a bitch yeah pretty much abby's a bitch 
And then Liv goes on this long rant about, you know, if it was a guy, it would have been formidable or bold. What do you guys think about Fitz and his comment about Abby? It goes back to um, Mama Bitsy. What's right, Mama Bitsy? <laughs> it, it, goes, it, go, it goes back. You know, there was a there was a lot of cross uh, across um, uh, themes between some of the characters, and Olivia said it. Bitsy uh, Bitsy said it. It's the same thing. You know. No, sorry. No. I, let me finish your thought. Um, but I do think that Fitz was calling her a bitch for a different reason than what Bitsy was saying. But it's kind of the same thing about how when a woman does something that you don't like, oh, she's a bitch. The only reason I think there's a difference is to me the way that Bitsy, Mrs. Cooper, was using it is in kind of like from like the genesis of the word, like us female dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, and even I think she said like hound. She used another canine term, right? So she's basically like, let us dogs. And so I think do our business, right? Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, in that in that situation, I thought it was actually from a powerful place. Right. So it basically meant like, let us dogs, like almost like Mm -hmm. the the female equivalent of like, yo, my where my boys at. Right. Like, let my boys like let us handle it Mm -hmm. because these men who are not bitches don't know what they're doing. So let the dogs take care of business. That's how she meant it. Okay, how he meant it to juxtapose difference. Right. In the same use of the word is he was using it to be dismissive because that's usually how it's used. Whenever kind of we use and and we've used it on the show. I've gotten mad at you for using it. I've also used it. I think these two have a clean mouth, but the both of us have definitely used the term. How how Fitz used it is it was being condescending. Mm-hmm. And it was being condescending because he was not only bettered, but he was bettered by a woman. And I think that usually, specifically men, when they're bettered by a woman and they use the term bitch, it's, they're not accepting or acknowledging the fact that she beat you. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if it was a man, you would able to be like, oh, dude, like, good job. Or like, oh, I effing ate, I don't like you, or you're an asshole. But still, asshole still has a different power Mm -hmm. structure than bitch being dismissive. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in that microcosm of a moment, Olivia saw him as a brat. She saw him as, like, kind of one aspect of who he is, which is this entitled, elitist, trust fun kid walking into my house calling my friend and my former colleague and his press secretary a bitch for stating that he is possibly violating I don't know how many different rules and regulations and so forth and so on but she's a bitch and oh, okay. I don't know what Fitz was thinking when he walked in either because the way he walked in I mean obviously Fitz is confident in himself Sometimes, but the way he walked in, he was like acting like he wanted a glass of wine, like they were about to be chummy and all. But he, like, no, you have my cut buddy locked up right now. I want to know where he is. You need to, you need to tell me. And then fast forward to the scene where they're, um, were they in the White House? In the White House, right? Where, where wherever they were, mm-hmm. and they had a conversation. And he's like, if you oh, yeah. want, if there's any chance yeah. of us <laughs> being together, pretty much, you need to release Jake or not give him to my father. And then that whole dialogue with, is there hope, is there hope, is there hope, there's hope. I mean... She's honest. I mean, she was having a nightmare. uh, Not a nightmare. No, that was a beautiful dream. She she was having a dream about (laughs) about the two of them. So you can't... She was honest. So, you know. And not only was she honest, and and I, I know that we're kind of running late on time, but... I think that that scene, we have to go there real quick, that scene where she's dreaming and she basically is having sex and we're not sure who she's having sex with and she's obviously not sure who she's having sex with and the moments, and obviously I know the first thing I thought about was when she was having sex with Jake, I honestly was like, oh, see, this is the first time I feel something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's because it all of a sudden it fits. Do you know what I mean? And I know, anyways. Um, I definitely thought that the scene when she basically says to Fitz, I know him like I know you. Mm-hmm. That hit me. And I don't know why it hit me. Because if that's the truth of the matter, then I, as a viewer, and as someone who has hated on Jake every single episode since he has been introduced, to some extent have to accept that. And you know what, Sophia? I completely agree, like 100%, because I'm the same way. I'm a huge Olitz fan, and watching this episode... I felt uncomfortable, but like there were so many moments. There are a couple of moments in this episode where I'm like, wait a minute, there's some chemistry here that I've never really. I, you know, I, I jumped on the Oleg bandwagon a little bit at the end of last season, but then like this episode, and even um, 
the thing that really got me, I think, was the scene in the cell when he was giving her the number to his offshore account. And that was one of the first times where I'm like, shit, wait a minute, I'm confused now. Does she really love this man? Does he really love her? And and for me, I'm going to jump on the second thing you said. Does he really love her? Because to me, when he said to her, it is okay if you don't choose me. Basically what he was saying is, it's okay if you don't choose me, and it's okay if you don't save me. It's okay for you to choose you if that means you're choosing him. And unless I'm going to regret this because he's playing mind games, that to me, from an intellectual spiritual level is what love is. Mm-hmm. It really is saying, like, I love you enough that I will let you go if if, if yes. where you're meant to be is somewhere else. And if it means literally that I have to give my life for that, not only am I willing to do that, but I don't want you to have any any guilt or any negative emotion attached to that. I was like, oh, crap, mm-hmm. Jake. Okay, so my pro- I have a couple of problems with this because... <laughs> Don't you can't you let us have our moment for one second? Okay, I mean, this, I've been like ripping Jake a new one, and like off camera, I even go more in. So, like, so uh, uh, count to three: one, two, three. Okay, you've had enough. Um, no, we need one minute. So now, no, 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 no. no. What? What's I guess confusing for me is what's confusing to me is. A couple of weeks ago, Jake was playing hard to get, didn't want to, you know, he was, we're booty call. And then she's like, you know, their relationship is, is, has been kind of like this whole, true, this whole up and down. And then when he, when he was given information about his mom, um, uh, and the, the password is Emily because his sister and all, how can you be in love with someone that you don't know basic information about? Now let's go back to what you were saying, Sophia, about when you are in a relationship with someone, how many of you guys actually Google MySpace. How many of you basically peek on their social media to find out who these people are? Okay? So, Olivia doesn't know any of this basic information. The one thing that you can say about Liv and Fitz is they know each other inside and out. They but do know, they? Yes, they do. But because do they, or do they only know the microcosm of the world that we've seen in the White House? I think, does, I does, think, I'm saying, I think that they're, I think they pretty much, well, actually, And the only damn. reason, exactly, and the <laughs> only reason is because going back to the other woman, they still only have, like, the beginning parts of the relationship. They've never settled into that, right. that, that intimacy that is almost about boredom, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where you do nothing. Like, you do nothing and you, you tell random stories about, like, your Halloween costume in third grade, mm-hmm. or, like, you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, my favorite potato chips are this. Like, they've never gone to that part. They've, oh, the only thing that they, or not the only thing they know each other, they know, like, their dramatic stuff. So, yes, she was there when Big Jerry died. Yes, she knows that he wants to be president. Yes, she knows those types of things. Yes, he knows that her dad's command, but theoretically, before then, like, what did he really know about her that I don't even think he knows that she went to private school if that's relevant I I'm just saying I'm saying like the those basic personal things like you know your sister your brother like fits no fits and lives relationship is more uh more personal more so than fits I, I mean know. more more than live and I and think Jake. and I think in the in the and in how the, can you in, be in, and I'm just saying how can I don't understand why all of a sudden now live all of a sudden wants to cub Jake and put him into why are me, they in to, love and why in this this relationship okay to me to me the relationship Relationship is is separate than the emotion because I think we've all had feelings for someone that has nothing to do with the label that you put on it, right? How you feel is how you feel. Your the label and how you you qualify your relationship is completely different. I think that the use of the term knowing, and I think that's why her nightmare was so important. There was a symmetry, and there was almost no difference when it was going back from Jake to Fitz. Mm-hmm. Yes, there were moments where she looked at Fitz slightly differently than she looked at Jake, but there was no difference. Right. So basically, she's saying, I know you both the same, number one. Number two, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. The way that they both know each other is somewhat similar, right? Jake may have been through clandestine things because he got to know her because he was spying on her. Fitz may have gotten to know her because they were working together, but it was still a microcosm. But to me, once you put that in a bedroom situation, I strongly believe, grown-up conversation, sex is a completely different form of communication. Like how we have, we, we talk through our mouth and our body language and our eyes and so forth and so on. Sex is a completely different form of communication that has absolutely had nothing to do with 
what birth order you are, what your middle name is, if you have siblings, if you have parents, if you don't have parents, what your favorite color is. It has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with a different wavelength when you get together and the neurons connect in a certain way and they vibrate that you're talking to another. Sorry, in a conversation. I'm too hot now. (laughs) Sorry. I can't. Last thing, and we're going to continue that conversation offline. Not the vibrating stuff, but like <laughs> the live and fits and all that stuff. Rowan. Rowan in this episode, and he has these monologues, and we talk about these monologues. But in this episode, the way he played Fitz was just so brilliant. And I read, I was in the middle of reading an article in Hollywood Reporter about uh, Fitz was even confused saying, why should Rowan, or why should he trust Rowan, his character? <clears throat> but Rowan is so damn convincing. I'll say this about Reverend Ike. Um, and the <laughs> conversation that they had, Reverend Ike, it was more like he came at the approach to Fitz like he was the counselor, the preacher, where he was intervening between a relationship and he was basically telling him what he needs in order to make the marriage continue to survive because right now you're on the rocks. And I thought Reverend I did a great job at playing Fitz in the way that he needed to play him to get him to do what he did. So bravo to Reverend I because I normally don't even like to listen to him. I, I thought it was brilliant though. And even I thought that see, we get these scenes with uh Rowan, uh Joe Morton who's incredible. But that scene was incredible. But then fast forward to the couple scenes later with Jake in the cell, that scene was incredible when he was talking about how he played on Fitz's emotion and how he's the the daddy and the priest and all these different things, and then he tells Jake, uh what did he say? Uh, the, I have it written down. He said something about command. Somebody talk until I find it. I have to find it. Oh, he basically yeah, he he goes something that kind of like he's like, You you can't you can't own command. Command owns you. Yes. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, God. And you know that has to kill Jake. I don't even know what that must do to you. However, Bam had said this a couple episodes ago. This was the first time that I definitive, definitively felt. I was like, oh, crap. Stop talking. Shoot him in the head. Mm-hmm. I literally was like, stop talking. Shoot him in the head. I was like, you have played and played and played and maneuvered. Kill him because you you you've overplayed yeah. your hand. Yeah. You've gone one step too far, and you are not recognizing that the true the true thing that you have created is not command and is not B six thirteen. It is your child. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that last move that was the end move for 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 Olivia. When Olivia realized that Jake was really with her father, now she knows. Yeah. Now she's like, "Oh, any doubt that she had, and even in that room at the Pentagon, when he goes, "I'm not going to claim that I'm not going to talk about being framed. You probably don't believe me." There was that moment where you didn't know if if who Olivia believed, but at that moment when her dad had him moved back, she was like, "Oh, I know you. I see you." I see you. And he overplayed his hand. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. There's still so many things I want to talk about. Quickly, uh, the photos of Olivia in the locker. I have no clue. I think it goes to where we were talking about before, where it's one of the first times where twice the the weekly story has carried over and had right. nothing to do theoretically with Olivia and, and, and Fitz. Because normally if that happens, it's Olivia and Fitz. So obviously those two stories are literally leading us somewhere. And I really think just kind of personally, like I said, and, and, and Bam said as well, I think all roads this season are going to lead to Olivia. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitz released Jake back to Supermax. So he's out of Rowan's hands. The final scene that we had with Olivia and Rowan Rowan says, what the hell did you do? You uh, Basically, she said, you may be command, but I have weapons, weapons you can't possibly possess. That was my, that was probably my favorite quote. Second favorite quote was the one that Rowan said to Jake. My third favorite quote, which I forgot to mention, was when Abby told Cyrus to check your back door. <laughs> my jaw dropped. Um, I love this episode. I thought it was a yeah. great episode. Agreed. Um, I'm sad that it has two episodes left. Did you want to say anything before we... Um, no, I was just going to say, um, are we going to do a vote? Who are we going to pick for uh, the quick cold piece? Ooh, so my cold piece. And <sighs> Cornelia, we miss you so much. You have to tweet Cornelia, let her know your cold piece. Um, my cold piece is Rowan. The way he played everybody, continues to play everybody, he does it so freaking convincingly to the point where me as a viewer, I'm like, damn. And my cold piece is the Olivia Pope. Mm. I think she played it, played everyone. She played everyone from a place of strength and a place of insecurity. Okay. She got Abby to do what she wanted. She played Fitz. David. 
David, mm-hmm. and oh at the end of the day, her daddy, she, her dad. Wow, I'll, I will agree. She is the Olivia Pope. Yeah, totally. Oh, okay, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so please, at Cornelia, let her know who your cold piece is, yes. and just hashtag cold piece. Yes, and make sure when you're tweeting us tomorrow, make sure you include Cornelia in the conversation. Um, predictions. I think. I think for mine, it's kind of the same thing I said. I think all roads lead to at Olivia. I think all roads lead to Olivia. Um, I think we're finally going to see. I'm sorry. (laughs) All roads lead to Olivia. I think we're finally going to find out about her backstory. Mm -hmm. And I think there is no way that it is a coincidence that Fitz shot down the plane of Olivia's mom that Obviously, there's a backstory with Rowan and Cyrus, and Cyrus picked her to come on the campaign. There, there's somehow, there's somehow always been a connection Ooh, right. yeah. with Fitz and Olivia that predates something that we don't know about. And I know we talked about, I think, like season one or two or way back in the day. But all roads lead to Olivia. Something's going to happen there. Um, my only prediction is when Rome was uh, confessing to Jake, basically in the Pentagon. I just, with the fact that um, that Fitz was there earlier, Liv was there earlier, I just felt that that was a very childlike move for him to um, reveal this information. So I'm wondering if that's going to come back and bite him in the butt for him verbally saying that. I was we, wondering that too. We yeah, have so many people that's looking in the windows and, and so forth. So I just wonder if that's going to um, if that's going to bite him in the butt. Um, for me, I predict that. Harrison is going to come back as a ghost. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I have no predictions. I love your predictions. I was excited for this episode. I can't wait to see next week. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great show. Where can we find you guys online? Uh, you, guys, you guys can find us on... Uh, you can find me at um, at Bear American. And don't forget, when you guys tweet us, make sure you guys do uh, hashtag ScandalRaptorBuzz uh, when you include all of us in social media. Um, on Twitter and Facebook, at Sophia Stanley. And for me, at Emil Ennis Jr. And on YouTube, Chasing LA. Um, I love how we coordinate today. We're in, like, the black and gray thing. I don't know how we do it. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you have a lot of fun. Don't get crazy. I know it's on the weekend. Don't get too crazy. We're not doing costumes this year. But go to Sophia's uh, Twitter, and you can see our costumes for, I think, season two. (laughs) Hot mess. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Bye, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 